0: into mindset shifts that give you the power to decide how you feel, not the media, not your past, and not social conditioning. Then you'll discover how to use this inspiration and this new sense of confidence to be the best you, the you that you are meant to be. So get ready, my friend. It is time to get awesome inside out. Hey there. Welcome back. I'm so excited for today's interview episode. Whether you're new to embracing a healthy lifestyle, or you've been actively pursuing your healthiest you for many years, I'm guessing in both situations, you can probably agree that the journey to health is never really over. In other words, a concept called sustainability, which is often a very hard concept for most of us to grasp. Because so often for many of us, once we reach our health goal, the question then becomes how do I sustain it? What happens after I lose the weight? How do I stop myself from reverting back to my old identity? How do I fully step into this new person and fully own this new version of myself? If you've ever asked these type of questions, you're going to love this conversation today. Today I'm diving deep with a dear friend of mine, Charles Chen. Charles is the creator of Zeal Wellness Media Company and at one point in his life, Charles was pre-diabetic and struggling with food addiction. Today, he's one of the most sought-after chefs and wellness entrepreneurs making appearances on The Dr. Oz Show, The Food Network, TLC, and Netflix. We're going to jam about why you need a why, how to embody your self-worth, and how healing your relationship with food is a gateway for your much bigger dreams to manifest. Without further delay, let's meet Charles now. Welcome, Charles, to the show. Thank you for being here.
1: Yay! We've been talking about this, so it feels so good
0: now thank you for getting my ass out of bed this morning at <laughs> <laughs> five forty-five to go do hot yoga before this podcast. Don't I appreciate you love that
1: because I always love tuning in. I think it's like everything I do now. I think it's so important to kind of like hold space, ground ourselves. Any project that I work on, even like when I'm filming a series or I'm doing a podcast or interview, there's that tension before. It's like. Someone's rushing somewhere. It's like you know when you're trying to go to yoga class and like you miss it, mm-hmm. and like you're in that like mode of anxiety, and you get into that room. Nobody wants to be in that room when like someone's like rushing in. Mm-hmm. So I love when we are able to ground together. Mm-hmm. I feel like we're more in tune, and then we're better able to share whatever we're trying to do or create.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. Luckily, I was not rushing this morning. <laughs> yeah,
1: thank <laughs> was, you for showing up. <laughs> I was very much.
0: On t- I was like. I will not be late.
1: Thanks. I will
0: show up promptly 6.15.
1: Sarah's like texting me last night. It's like, are we still gay? I was like, girl, yeah, you're still waking up. Go to sleep.
0: <laughs> but no, I'm really excited to have you here today. I'm excited to have this conversation and I'm just grateful for our friendship and how this has evolved over the last couple of years of getting to know you and the yep. work that you're doing. And it's just been such an honor to watch this transformation in your life and including my life as I've moved to LA and yeah. I'm really grateful for you and the network of people that you bring into your life that are involved in health and wellness. And so for those of you listening who don't know about your story of losing 100 pounds and how you got into wellness, I really would love to have that conversation first because I think it's so profound to lose the weight. But part of it that I really love is that you've been able to sustain this healthy lifestyle, which I think is so challenging and so hard for most people, it's one thing to set a goal and reach the goal, but then to sustain the goal yeah. and allow our minds to feel the worth of what it is that we've stepped into is a whole nother story and a whole nother path to reprogramming the subconscious mind and and really feeling into this new body that we have.
1: Absolutely. And so I would
0: love to hear the story that you went on in your journey and how. You've been able to really maintain this
1: absolutely wellness lifestyle. I love the word that you brought up, and we'll dive in deeper on this. But sustain—I mm-hmm. think that's such a profound word. But I got into wellness really on accident. If anything, through my rock bottom. You know, a lot of people that book Simon Sinek is about. You know, start with your why. Mm-hmm. My why was because I couldn't get out of bed. I was struggling to breathe. I would. Wake up in the middle of the night with panic attacks. I was 100 pounds heavier. Diabetes ran in my family. And I ate junk food at the time. I was age 15 at my heaviest. And I ate McDonald's every single day because my after-school program was right next to a McDonald's. And it was like a social thing. All Mm -hmm. the kids got allowance money. And what do you do after school? You just go to McDonald's, get your free ice cream cone. I was addicted to sugar. I was drinking orange soda as my water every single day. They had buckets of fries. I don't know if they still do that because I haven't been to a McDonald's. But they (laughs) used to have buckets of fries and I would eat the buckets of fries. And my favorite were the really soggy, oily (laughs) French fries. And I still have French fries now. We'll talk about balance. But I love French fries. Fish filet was my jam. Mm Chicken McNuggets. I mean, I was just stuff my face, mm. and it got to a point where I was numbing myself. I was dealing with a lot of different emotions at the age of fifteen. My mom was a single mother. There was a divorce going on. I was figuring out my sexual identity. I was figuring out where I belonged as an Asian American, born from like an immigrant family. So it was just like all these identities where I was mm. struggling, like. Where do I fit in? What do I stand for? And how do I navigate this life? I was just stuck. And the only thing that I knew was food was comfort.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I gravitated towards that because I felt like I didn't have to numb. And I think as I get older, and this is some deep, heavy shit, is like you brought up subconscious belief systems. I think I was subconsciously numbing myself with food So then other people will not look at me as a sexual object Mm. because I didn't want to be over-sexualized. I didn't want people to question my sexuality because I was 15 heading into like high school. And I was like, if people knew that I was fat and like I didn't take care of myself, nobody would even ask if I was dating anybody Mm -hmm. because they would just be like, no, Right? right? So I think I was doing that just so then I could become invisible. And I was just trying to hide.
0: Right. So often we use food or our relationship with our bodies as a way to not be seen. Yeah. As a way to hide behind certain things. And whether that's your relationship, your career, stepping into the most confident self we often sadly use it as an excuse to say, well, because I'm in the body I'm in, I don't have to be in relationship. I don't have to have community. I don't have to have tribe. I don't have to go after the career. I want that careers for someone of a different size. And we subconsciously use that block to prevent us from standing in our truth and our power, most specifically because of the internal feeling. Yeah. Do you think it was A lack of self-worth, self-esteem.
1: Absolutely. So I think as I look back now, I think I can better understand that for the longest time, because I grew up with a single mother, I, at the time, my belief system, no longer now, but my belief system at the time was that my dad left my mom and somehow it was my fault. Mm -hmm. I was unworthy of love. That was my belief system then. And I think for the longest time, it was like the belief system was that I am not deserving. I'm not the son that my father wanted. Mm. So I think my lifelong journey is like working on this like affirmation of like, I am deserving. I am enough. I do not need the validation of my father or anyone outside of myself. And it's like reclaiming that power from within. And trust me, guys, whoever's listening, guys and girls it's a lifelong journey. So when you brought up that word sustain, that really resonates with me because I think as we're turning chapters, as we're transforming our lives, whether it's your physical body, your mental body, or your career, whatever. I was telling this to a friend of mine yesterday. Every next chapter of your life requires a different version of yourself. Mm -hmm. So it's like, even today when we're doing yoga, like the yoga instructor was like, oh yeah, like, Breathe into it because yes, shit is going to come up and it's going to feel very uncomfortable. And yes, it does feel uncomfortable. But the whole idea is like, don't let your mind fret you out of the discomfort. Because in the discomfort is where you find your inner strength. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the most powerful thing because I finally realized all the stuff that I was looking for outside of myself, trying to like numb myself, Mm -hmm. it was just to disconnect, distract myself from connecting with a power that was already within. And that's all of us.
0: Right, right. That's incredible. I am amazed also that what happens so often is our body shifts faster, right? And so we lose all the weight, but our neural pathway hasn't been reprogrammed that Mm -hmm. we're worthy or that we have self-love or we have self-confidence or that we Mm -hmm. have the self-esteem that reflects the body. And so I'm curious for you, when you lost the weight, was there the yo-yo dieting? Was there the going- back on what had shifted or was it that you were working on the mindset as well during the same time and it allowed you to really step into this new body and say, okay, this is who I want to be for my life and I want to continue to grow, but I don't want to go back into this numbing.
1: Yeah. So it's interesting because I had this conversation with one of your other podcast guests, Mordecai, Mm. because Mordecai is going through the transformation now and we all are. And we had this conversation. We went for a bike ride and I was talking to him about how he's navigating now he's in a new body, Mm -hmm. how he's navigating dating. And I said, one of the most profound things that I experienced through a physical transformation was that people outside of myself started looking at me differently and treating me differently. Mm -hmm. But within, I was always the same person. Like The soul, the essence is always the same person you can evolve as far as like your new neural pathways and like new subconscious belief systems. But yes, I definitely, after I lost weight, I had to catch up my mind. I just devoted myself into like personal transformation, Mm -hmm. started reading because I was like, we both ran into each other. No, like we follow Tony Robbins Mm -hmm. and we go to his seminars and he talks about modeling. So I started Mm -hmm. looking at people that, exuded the confidence that came from within and that navigated the world that I respected and I honored. And I was like, wow, that person has something I want to learn from them. So I started modeling their behaviors because I'm like, okay, old Charles did this, but I am stepping into a new version of myself. So I need to constantly grow. And this is going to be very uncomfortable. So I had to catch up my mindset. Mm -hmm. So I started like, just like, reading so many different methods and philosophies. And at the end of the day, yes, you read all this stuff, but then how... It's so funny. I had lunch with a friend and he was like, Charles, fuck all the philosophies. You can have all the fucking philosophies in the world and you can like read all the books Mm -hmm. in the world, but what are you actually living? What are you embodying? And I was like, you're so right. Because I see people who get stuck in just studying And then they forget to actually put it into practice. We were talking about when I look at people who are, quote unquote, successful, like you define that for yourself. But for me, it's not just financial success. For me, it's like finding people who are aligned with their truth and embodying their truth. To me, that is real success because they might not have the most financially successful, lucrative business or whatever. But the way that they walk through their life, mm-hmm. for me, with that conviction and, like, the knowing of self mm-hmm. and, like, knowing of their truth and, like, being less swayed by distractions of the world because they're tuned into a something that is, like, grounded.
0: And bigger than themselves, probably. Yes.
1: And to me, that is, like, we all see it. We all feel it. Mm-hmm. When they walk into the room, I'm like, ah, oh, like, that person gets it. And those are the people I want to surround myself with.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I love the fact that you shared about this idea where we're in overconsumption. And I think oftentimes we read more books and have more podcasts and take more courses. Take more supplements. take more supplements. And I just did this entire blog about how we have all these things often as a way of distraction. So the amount of content or resource we have is usually not the problem. The problem is actually applying it and implementing it into our life and then upgrading our identity to being a healthy person, to being a spiritual person, to being the very person or the identity of which we want. And I'm always like, whenever people come to me, and I've tried everything, I'm like, well, have you finished the book that's next to your bed? (laughs) Have you finished that course that's online? Have you finished that meditation practice that you learned? Are you implementing every day in your life? And so often, I'm like, I started it and I didn't finish it. And I'm always like, this work, as you know, and I know from years and years and years of reprogramming subconscious patterning is not an overnight thing. And we have to begin to shift out of this quick fix mentality because yeah. it doesn't work. And it makes us go from one thing to the next to the next without implementing the very things that we're learning.
1: Yeah. There's this amazing book, Essentialism, basically like finding one or two things. Instead of having having like 10 things on your to-do list every day. I now like narrow it down to like two to three things. These are the only things I will focus all my time on and get rid of all distractions. Turn your phone on, do not disturb and literally just focus on those three things, two things and get those things done. Because if you over bombard yourself, that's when you get really overwhelmed. And I I like the questions you ask your clients. One question that I ask my clients is, who have you not forgiven? And everyone will come to me with food because yes, I had a food background. I'm a trained chef. I worked at restaurants in New York and
0: they're like, yeah,
1: teach me the right recipes to eat. But I want to dive deeper because before you eat that food or recipe, I want to understand your motivation. I want to understand your why. Why do you want to transform? Why now? Mm -hmm. And then who have you not forgiven? And most of the time it's ourselves. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think the most profound experience that I had when i was diving deep and like doing all this research and trying to like reprogram my mind i had an aunt so i learned how to cook from my aunt and she was like the most amazing cook ever my mom was a single mother she came to live with us to help her out and she taught me how to cook cuz after school i would come home and she'd be like here watch me how to cook and that enabled me empowered me i was like mm-hmm. wow I can actually start changing what I'm putting into my body. Like I had this like connection back to food. And I think that's why it's so powerful to teach kids, enable kids the creativity to get in the kitchen, to explore, to play with food. Mm-hmm. Cause they will put a connection with food, nourishment, creativity and time because the quick fix mentality of like, Oh, go to a drive through and get your food in a bag and never seeing who's actually preparing your food. There's a disconnect to nature and all these things, but she had a radical transformation, and I got to witness that at an early age. She struggled; she had some sort of ailment, and she was like very frail. She had a seizure one night, and this was like so traumatizing—seeing someone have a seizure that you love so Mm -hmm. much—and I'm like, "Oh my god!" Sent her to the ER. She came back; she was thin, frail—like you can see her face on their color is like blue and sick. But she moved back to Asia to get some treatments, and I saw her two years later. She was glowing. The color on her face is back, and she gained healthy weight, was happy, thriving. And I was just like, what changed? Because mm-hmm. I was pretty young, but I was like, mm-hmm. I see a transformation. I want to know what's going on. And she said, I did this thing called the pasna, and it's a meditation. Mm-hmm. And she's like, when you feel called, here's the link. And at the age of 19, after I started losing the weight, I just felt called. I was like, I want to do this. Wow! So I went into Vipassana. I first Vipassana at 19. But that was like the true, I feel like that was when the work began, when I started tuning in. And it was the hardest thing because the first four days you're like struggling with your ego. Like, why the fuck am I here? I'm 19. My friends are outside <laughs> partying. And I'm like, what the fuck am I doing here? You know? And I was like, is this a cult? Like, I was like trying to figure every way to get out of here.
0: Yeah. For those of you who don't know, Vipassana, it's 10 days. It's basically a silent retreat. And it's very challenging. I have personally haven't done it, but I've had many friends and I've done silent retreats for much less time. But yeah, I'm excited to do it at some point.
1: Oh, yeah. You're all, it's profound. I think that was the first time in my life when I had such clarity. Mm-hmm. And when I stopped fighting it, because I think life is always about when you're giving it resistance, you give it power. If you just surrender, you let go, and then you are allowed to flow because you're not trying to force. There's a difference between force and flow. And I started to flow. I started to listen. What feels right? This doesn't resonate. I need to leave this job. I need to cut these people out. I need to do what's right for me, even if the people around me don't get it. This is my higher truth, and like I need to honor it. Mm -hmm. And that was the first time I was like, wow, this is what it feels like to be courageous, like to be not afraid, to stand in your truth and care less about what other people think, because I started living for myself and from a higher space of like doing what's best for you, Mm -hmm. therefore doing what's best for the world, tapping into service.
0: That's amazing. I have a question in relationship to what a lot of people ask me, which is, but Sarah, if I'm going to go for 10 days, isn't that selfish? I'm stepping away from everything to take this time to myself, or getting back into the kitchen, like we talked about before, or doing these things that are very much People, I think, and culturally, we deem them selfish because we're putting ourselves first. And so what's your response to that in terms of what people and why do you think they have this mindset? Because it's literally the number one excuse I hear. It's like my family comes first, my kids come first, my job comes first. And then we're so depleted at the end of the day, we have nothing left
1: to give. The cup is empty and i want to take it to the next level. Yes, i understand the selfish. It's not selfish because i think it's self-full. Mm-hmm. It's filling your own cup full, but it takes discipline because there are choices that we can make that will make you feel more comfortable even like today. Mm-hmm. And i realize on my own journey now is that i'm not seeking comfort. I sometimes seek out the discomfort because i know that there are more growth in those times. Mm-hmm. Even the fact that you had to wake up a little earlier today. Mm-hmm we just have to go to sleep earlier. You have to fit your life, but then it goes back to like your why. Because if your why is not strong enough, you're not gonna do the things that are, quote unquote, not as convenient. Mm -hmm. But in the long term, because I look at the holistic picture of like, what is my big vision? What is it that I want to do in the world that serves my highest good, therefore serves the highest good of other people? And how do I navigate through my life in that? Because there's also two ways of thinking in the world. Every day when you wake up in the morning, you have two different emotions that you can feel. It's either fear or love. And this comes from scarcity and abundance. Mm -hmm. Same energies, right? So if you come from this space of like, I am so grateful that I get to go to sleep early so I can wake up early to give time to myself. Even if it's 30 minutes or 10 minutes, whatever, it's just even like today, I was like, I woke up earlier, I set my alarm clock, and then I kind of like write down the things I need to do that will honor myself and we'll go back to this as part of my daily non-negotiables. Mm-hmm. Like I journal, I meditate first thing in the morning before I look at any social media because I want to tune in. Like, What is my body feeling? What am I feeling today? What do I need? What do I need to work through? Is there something that comes up? Is there anxiety? Is there fear? How can I combat that with more gratitude of like, oh, like, thank you for allowing this to come up so I can work through it rather than work around it. And most of the time, everyone's like, even when we're working out or whatever, like people like don't want to push themselves harder because we're afraid of our highest self Right. most of the time. Mm-hmm. We're scared of shining too bright because we're afraid other people around us are going to be like, oh my gosh, like... You know, you're reflecting something that I don't or I haven't or I'm shying away from looking at. Mm-hmm. I've realized the people who are embodying like that, they're like, they embody truth. And sometimes people don't want to deal with the truth. You're too much for me because you're just shining too bright. Right. And you're forcing me to reflect and look back in myself that I don't want to look at. Right. Relationships are the perfect example. Like when you're in a relationship, yes, you get your honeymoon phase. And then the real shit comes up. That's when you know you found a partner because they're supposed to mirror shit that you have to deal with and it's uncomfortable. Some days are easier. Some days like, Oh, I hate you because you're bringing up all the shit, you know? But I think I learned like I was in a six year relationship and best teacher of my life. And like we're still Mm -hmm. really good friends and like ended on very good terms. And I was just like, thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you for being such a great catalyst for my evolution, I needed that. Mm -hmm. And I feel like everyone is a visiting professor, as my friend likes to say. Mm -hmm. And whether it's your Uber driver, the person who's packing your groceries, anyone that you're in contact every single day, they're there to teach you and you're there to teach them, Mm -hmm. vice versa.
0: Yeah. I think it's so important also that we honor our past relationships, first being angry and resentful towards them, because they were just a growth opportunity, and the more that we hold that anger and resentment, I see this so often in the work I do with women where when they hold this resentment and anger, the only one that they're punishing is themselves, and because they're using food or the lack of food or excess of movement or the lack of movement to punish themselves for the feeling of anger and resentment that they're holding towards their past relationship. and I think if we can view that as an opportunity to grow and heal and learn and send that person love and compassion for that opportunity, it completely shifts the relationship with ourselves and our internal space. And I love how you shared that self-love and self-care and taking care of yourself sometimes feels discomfort and doesn't feel good because so often I think it's advertised as this blissful experience, like go take care of yourself, get a massage, go take care of yourself and get this facial. And, And so we assume based on media and cultural conditioning that taking care of yourself is going to be spa day away from your family. But taking care of yourself often is the parts of yourself that are the most discomforting. And when you're in the spa or when you're in the meditation or you're in the practice of whatever you're doing, even that's yoga, you're going to have the thoughts that come up that you have to face and address and feel into the emotion that's surfacing and allow yourself to really be in that and move through it with grace and ease instead of the push right the push the push the push
1: absolutely and i think i want to say something for any moms out there cuz mm-hmm. i just got text from my friend who has three kids single mom and she's like just got out of the er she's struggling and like for those people who feel like 30 minutes is a lot of time to take for myself i would honor that and say walk through your life as a meditation everything mm-hmm. you do mm-hmm. when you're taking a shower or if you're brushing your teeth, you're already going to be doing that. Bring mindfulness and intention to whatever you're doing. One thing that I do in the shower, and I don't do this every day, but when I'm mindful, is that I exfoliate my body with like a towel. But then as I'm exfoliating, I talk to my body to be like, thank you. I love you. Every cell in my body, thank you for allowing me to navigate through this lifetime to share my dharma, whatever I'm here to do, give yourself a a foot massage. When was the last time you touched your foot and like massage your foot? You walk through the life every single day and like, yeah, you can get a massage from someone else, but how good is it to like massage yourself and self actually self care and be like, dude, I love you. Mm -hmm. And like, sometimes I'll just meditate. I'm just like, I'm so proud of you. Talk to that inner child, that seven year old self i'll look at photos, and like I had sessions because I think a lot of our transformation is dealing with our inner child healing as well, the trauma that came up, the belief systems that no longer serve you, and reprogramming all of that, but I will literally look at photos and sometimes just weep like, "Oh wow, like the belief systems that you have no longer serve you, and like those were false belief systems based on your experiences of the past, but We're going to empower those thoughts and like have these serve you and just reconnect. Because I think a lot of times when trauma and uncomfortable feelings come up, they're really based around our inner child. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like when someone says something, they trigger you, you're like, before you react, because our first thing is like a knee-jerk reaction. And yeah, you want to like attack because someone is attacking you. Because of the mindfulness practice that we have, whether it's yoga or meditation, it allows us, and what Vipassana has taught me is that this too shall pass. If you have an itch on your nose and you want to itch it, you're sitting through it and you are bringing awareness, you're mindful that that itch is there, but I don't need to respond to it. And that's how I navigate my life when I am centered, is that like emails will come and go, but when I am tuned into my highest Version of myself and my highest truth, and this is what I need to get done for the day are these two tasks. Everything else is secondary. Mm -hmm. It can wait. Nothing is that urgent. I literally call my voicemail. If this is an emergency, call (laughs) 911. People laugh because my friend's like, you never pick up your phone calls. Like, yeah, it's not scheduled. Like, I only call my personal, like my family. I pick up, but if it's not scheduled, like I'm on my own time.
0: I love the idea of creating space. I think it's something that we don't do enough and we need to create that space and that distance, whether it's between thoughts, whether it's between reaction, whether it's throughout your day to really be able to connect internally. And I love that you brought up your friend who's struggling and I feel for her and I understand because I have clients too that say, I have absolutely no time to do any sort of mindfulness practices or meditation or journaling. And when we break down their day, we literally go from the moment they wake up until the nighttime. By the end of a couple of weeks, it is profound to see how many things we can integrate that aren't necessarily more time, but they're flipping things out. So for example, cutting out the news and putting in a positive podcast, cutting out the news and putting in Mm -hmm. affirmations that are repeated over and over again, taking their own voice and speaking affirmations and allowing them to listen to that on the way to work. Like we're not asking or we're not promoting to give up your whole day and like go into these practices. I think it's a good thing if you can, but we're also just saying that there is an opportunity to really begin to shift and become aware of how you're living your life every single moment. Who do you surround yourself with? How much time are you in social media? Get an app that really tracks it and say, okay, if I give up half of this time, would I have an extra 15 minutes of meditation? And I- yeah, we have so much time. We have so much time. It's absolutely incredible. Like even one of my clients, she realized she was spending over an hour in the break room complaining. And she was like, wow, if I just didn't go to the break room with my other colleagues, I connected with myself. I did my own breath work. I listened to it And it has completely transformed her life. Yeah. Just that one hour of that connection that she used to get through that colleague connection, which we all want connection. And so she was using it that way. And I said, well, what if you just start connecting with yourself? Even if it's just 10 minutes of that one hour, let's start with that. And then let's see how that transforms your life. For me, the one habit of just stopping drinking, I wasn't drinking a lot, but I would drink like three to four glasses of wine on average in New York every week. And then when I moved to LA, it was like a couple glasses of wine every week. And I last year just made a decision, no more alcohol. And it was profound to see this one habit completely transformed my life because it allowed me to get up earlier. Cognitive health was better, my ability to work out. It was like this one little habit made this ripple effect. And I think it's important to not hold such a like, wow, I have to uplift my own life. But like you're saying, these very little incremental changes make these massive, massive shifts.
1: Oh, amazing. And I think that's what you have to honor yourself. Like, wow, I did get up early today. Good job. Like, really be your greatest cheerleader. And I think what we are asking for It's not for you to change everything, but to commit yourself to personal growth, Mm -hmm. which also connects to doing things you're uncomfortable with. And that's why I seek out discomfort, because I recognize that comfort is just a safety net of patterns. And I need to break the patterns if I want to become a different version of myself. I can't be doing the same exact thing and expecting the same results. Like It's just crazy. So I think now i just like, okay, well... If you reflect on your year last year, do a pro and con. Like, what did you do great? Mm-hmm. And what did you need work on? And on like what you need to work on, the quality of your life is based on the quality of questions you ask yourself. So what can you do differently? How can you navigate differently? And then how can we find models of those people? Like, oh, these people are killing it in these aspects of their lives. Like, I need help with that. That's why we hire coaches. Mm-hmm. Just like you hire a fitness coach, you can hire a financial coach, you can hire a voice coach, you can hire all these things that you struggle with. If you don't know, someone else has dedicated their life to studying this, and it's okay to ask for help. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. I think there's a level of vulnerability and also discomfort when we're asking for help. Like, mm-hmm. hey, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I need help. Which is so
0: interesting, because I'm speaking for you in this because of the conversations we've had. But as coaches who have gone through this transformation. I think it's powerful in that we hold a different level of compassion and understanding. So when people come to us, I don't have a feeling of like judgment or any sort of like, how are you there? I don't understand. Like even confusion, there's so much love and compassion. And I think that if someone would have told me that I would have gotten a coach sooner, I would have had people there to support me sooner. And I know that's how you approach your clients as well. It's from love, compassion, understanding, grace, and it's still holding them accountable, but it's through this process of really understanding because you've been on that other side. Hey there, friend. Are you loving this podcast? I want to continue to support you. So the simplest way to do this is to head over to sarahannstuart.com and pop into the newsletter. Doing this ensures that you never, ever miss any details of our new project's products, upcoming events, or issues that are near or dear to my heart. You're also going to get access to the movement. This is the inner circle of people just like you standing in their power to bring more truth and a new level of consciousness where all individuals get to live a diet-free life in a body that they love. So pop on over to sarahannstewart.com and subscribe, and I'll see you on the inside. Hey there friend, are you loving this podcast? I want to continue to support you. So the simplest way to do this is to head over to sarahannstuart.com and pop into the newsletter. Doing this ensures that you never ever miss any details of our new projects, products, upcoming events, or issues that are near or dear to my heart. You're also gonna get access to the movement. This is the inner circle of people just like you standing in their power to bring more truth and a new level of consciousness where all individuals get to live a diet-free life in a body that they love. So pop on over to sarahannstewart.com and subscribe, and I'll see you on the inside.
1: I'm working with a client now, and I'm not going to name any names, but like, as I've helped this client lose almost like 70 pounds, going back to what we were saying, your physical transformation changes. Now her mental has to change. Now that she has healed sort of her relationship with food, I said to her, I said, be mindful of your special relationships. Because... When you have one addiction in your life, you're going to try to figure out another addiction to try to numb it. She was like, how did you know? I haven't talked to her for about a month. And she was like, how did you know? I got into my new body and I started dating all these people that I knew were bad for me. I was like, yeah, it's another special relationship. And girl, it is a life transformation, like lifetime of practice. And we have to be mindful of that. Don't bullshit yourself. Like I have to be here to hold you accountable, accountable. Right. Because you're doing that, and let's get to the core of this. So what is the core of this? Because I'm saying this from compassion, and because I've been through it, is that like, what is it that you're trying to numb? Mm -hmm. Worthiness, Mm -hmm. self-love, feeling like she is deserving. Because she also struggled with, we dived in deep with her inner child healing, and she's like, it's so funny, you said seven-year-old self, I remember sitting at the dinner table, and... My sister, older sister was always the pretty one and I was like the chubby one. And every time I would finish all my food on the table, my dad would give me a pat on the back and be like, "Good job," like and made me feel worthy. So mm. I overate because I felt like I was going to like get some sort of approval from someone else outside of myself. So now that we heal that, it's like shifting to another relationship of like oh, like if I could get that hot guy, if I can sleep with this guy, I'm going to feel worthy and I'm going to feel validated. But after that relationship, it's like, no, I just feel sh- more shitty. And this person ghosted me. Like we all go through all yeah, this I bullshit, through, right? you know? So it's like, I just said, be mindful. And how can you turn those actions into more self-love and go inwards, mm-hmm. like go inwards, like what? are you really dealing with? And be radically honest with yourself because I was like, you can't bullshit yourself. You can do the same thing. And until you hit your another rock bottom, you're just shifting special relationships. Right,
0: that's one of the biggest awakenings I had when starting meditation. I realized that my binging turned into anorexia, which turned into like everything shifted from one thing to the next. And so even when I got to a physical healthy relationship with my body where my body was physically better, Then I turned to alcohol and it would never ended until I healed the root cause, Mm. which was my relationship with my mother and my own story of needing the self-approval and love, which I was seeking everywhere outside of myself. And the numbing just kept getting transferred to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing. And so relationships and I had to really witness by confronting myself and my internal experience of literally looking backwards and piecing the puzzle together Mm -hmm. and saying, wow, the suffering has shifted from one thing to the next to the next. And although I'm proud that I've healed these different areas of my life, the suffering is still there. I'm still suffering. And until I heal that internal experience, I'm going to continue to suffer because I will always find another thing to suffer through.
1: Yeah. And that's like in Buddhism, it's like, they say it's like the samsara of life like life is suffering it's this attachment to outside form but when you realize that if i were to sell you a magic pill and just tell you that like all that you need is like self love and like <laughs> self acceptance <laughs> and it's so much easier to say and that you don't have to buy anything no one would buy it because i'm like what the fuck it's so easy but no it's a life long mm-hmm. work and I think we're here to experience that so then we can help other people. And I think it's also our duty having gone through it, having experienced it. And I remember having the radical transformation that when I was on my rock bottom, and this is something that I do every day, I started practicing. I learned from a friend who's a very, very smart, beautiful woman who left Silicon Valley, very successful VP at a huge company, just felt depleted. She... Had these visions of herself, like, I want to be a millionaire. I want to be at a successful company, be a VP. accomplish all that. Bought a huge house in San Francisco and just was like, my soul is dead. Mm -hmm. Like, I stopped listening to my higher self. She left that job. Now is devoted her time to two months in a monastery in Taiwan. Wow. So beautiful. But I recently connected with her when I was in Asia and she was like, "You know, something that I do everything that brings me humility is I pray." And she's like, "Charles, I don't just pray. I get on my knees and pray." And I found that to be physically transforming of like a true surrender, kind of like when you end your yoga practice and you like namaste, mm-hmm. like literally like being on your knees. But I experienced this when I was on my rock bottom. I remember like praying. And being like, I don't know what I'm doing. And I just know that this needs to change because I don't want to suffer anymore. But I promise anything, higher power, whatever I was praying to, if you can help me transform my life, I will dedicate my life into helping other people. And that's what I'm doing now Mm -hmm. through different mediums. But it's like, that was the rock bottom. And I think every day when I meditate, I journal and I pray, I pray on my knees, and I surrender, and I ask the questions, use me, use me wisely. What will you have me say? Who will you have me meet? And how can I best serve? Mm. Literally, those are my three questions I ask myself. And when I'm not in alignment, it's really when I am not connected to myself, and I'm not thinking about service, and I'm just thinking about ego or protecting a certain image. And I was watching an interview with Will Smith, someone that I love Mm -hmm. and I know I'll meet one day, is that going back to every next chapter of your life requires a different version of yourself. He had an epiphany in his career where he was like, for so long, I was trying to protect this image of what Will Smith is supposed to do. Mm -hmm. I started becoming a prison of my identity. And this is something that I think is so beautiful is that we each can liberate ourselves from the identities that we create, all the labels, like Mm -hmm. you get to constantly change and shift, transform into a different version of yourself. Sarah today in front of me is a coach. Who knows if Sarah wants to be an interior designer 10 years later and honor that. Mm -hmm. It's okay. And I see so many people get trapped into their own dogmas and ego and labels. Mm -hmm. And I just, even me, like, shifting out of the gear of like chef like yes I worked in food yes I did this but now I have a greater calling and I've found a different medium to share my life's work and it's okay to let it go. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people hold on and that's where the misery and like getting lost yeah it's suffering, suffering.
0: It's the suffering of holding on to something because we're scared and we're scared to step into this new version of us because who will we be in that new version? Yeah. And I think on the flip side it's really important to honor and respect and hold compassion and love for those who are in the transformation of their lives. Because it's so easy to say, I mean, even with myself, I look back on content I wrote four or five years ago, and I have these moments where I cringe and I say, wow, I would never say these things now. The way that I would talk about weight loss, the way that I would sell eBooks, like, That was who I was then. And it has evolved as I have interviewed women all over the world, as I've coached, as I've created the responsibility to hold women in a different level of compassion and love. And I someday might speak very differently than I speak now, but to go back as some people do and they say, well, you said this a year ago, you said this, well, I'm not who I was yesterday. So let's honor where the person is today. And so, so often I see people blasting people for who they were 10 years ago. And I'm like, let's honor and hold and have compassion and love and celebrate people as they evolve in their consciousness and awareness because who you're meeting in front of you is the person they are today. Yeah, They could have had this awakening yesterday that we know nothing about. And so it's very easy to say, oh, my ex, he's an asshole. Well, maybe he's not anymore. Maybe he's had an awareness. Maybe he's shifted in his experience. Maybe he's full of love and compassion now. We don't know. You don't know. Yeah. Unless you're with him every day. So I think it's just important to continue to hold that vision that Mm. people are evolving in their Mm. own
1: way. Yeah. I love that. Holding space. It's so important. I agree with that. Someone that you might have a hiccup with or had a disagreement with. I never shut people off because I'm like, even if we're not aligned now, because I feel like when you're in flow you're in the frequency of the people that are on that same frequency. But when you're not aligned, you know, like when you're trying to set up a podcast, for example, (laughs) or interview, and like, someone's never like, you know, it's like, it never (laughs) works. (laughs) I don't fight it now. I'm just like, not meant to be right now. Right. And then when you bump into that person, they're aligned, they're ready. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, we're ready to work now. Let's do this. Mm -hmm. But it's like, We go through flows like we all go through that shit, and I can feel it. We can feel it. So it's like, you're like, oh, yeah, this person's processing. Let hold space for them Mm -hmm. because we all go through that. We need to do the inner work. We need to like let go of all the bullshit. What's not serving us relationships, whatever, and then tap into service. Mm
0: -hmm. I think especially in partnership, it's so easy to as well continue to say, well, you always do X or you always do Y, Mm. you always do Z and get angry that they've always been that. But if you don't hold the version that they can change, you don't Mm. hold the version that that person can upgrade their experience, you're expecting them to behave in a certain Mm. way, but not allowing them to upgrade the version of themselves and show up differently. And so with the coach that my husband and I work with, we had to literally work through this vision where we would expect the wounding from the other person to show up. And instead of the expectation, we had to hold the vision that a new person would show up. And it's completely transformed our relationship because I hold from a detached place, the version of him that is full of love and light and compassion and, and potentially want to get triggered in a circumstance. And if he shows up triggered, that's okay. We move through it. But holding that Has allowed him to really shift in that experience Mm. so he doesn't show up that way and vice versa. Yeah. So it's been really exciting to witness that when you hold the version of someone else growing into their highest self, it actually supports them in that growth.
1: I love it. And I want to bring that into even parenting kids, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because kids are creating their subconscious belief systems from age seven and on, right? They'll start remembering and the narratives that we hold space as adults if we don't have the mindfulness practice and you're raising kids, for example, give you a good example of like, if you have a daughter and all your life, you're like, you're so pretty. That narrative that you put into the pretty Mm -hmm. associates with my self-worth is based on if if I am beautiful. If I am not beautiful, then I'm not worthy. So what are the different narratives that we can feed children now to be Mm -hmm. like, you're so smart. You're so artistic. Like, Not based around circumstance, based on physical, Mm -hmm. physicality, because that's where kind of like a lot of these like eating disorders and things, because it's like, I need to do this because I don't feel beautiful, Mm -hmm. you know? Exactly. So like change the adjectives that we're using with kids and...
0: And if your child's challenged in a certain area, hold the space that they can step into that challenge instead of repeating that over and over, like, oh, you never do your homework. Oh, you always struggle with this. It's like, no, hold the vision that you're an intelligent child. You show up and do your homework. You are successful in your own ways. You're creative and independent and inspiring. And maybe homework isn't your greatest attribute, but maybe you show up and do other things in other ways that other children don't. And so it's like honoring where they are and then holding space that things can shift. Love that. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. I wanted to talk about, so the other day we were at an event. Oh, it was a Christmas party. That wasn't yes. the other day. It was uh, a few
1: weeks ago. It feels like the other <laughs> day. It feels like the other
0: day. The I mean, we greatest were just-
1: <laughs> gluten-free gingerbread. How can I forget? That is beautiful.
0: We decorated the largest gluten-free gingerbread I on
1: just, the planet. Yeah, I just want to hold space and like say thank you to you, Sarah and Craig, for facilitating and holding space for community. Because that's something that, as we know... When we go through our own transformations, Mm -hmm. one pillar that I find the most important is having community to hold you accountable. Mm -hmm. To hold the highest version of yourself and to show up as that is so important. And like, looking forward to like meeting people that are doing their life's work and that are passionate about making a difference in the world. But you guys do such a beautiful job. And I tell this to all my other friends I'm like, oh my gosh, like, Yeah. Sarah and Craig are amazing. And I just want to say thank you. Thank
0: you for that. I really appreciate it. Yeah. It's a big honor to have so many beautiful people in our community and to have them show up in profound ways. And the synchronicity of how much impact has been created just by facilitating these communities is really, really incredible. So at the last Christmas party that we hosted, we were talking about a company and community that you're creating called Zeal. And what I found so profound in the conversation that that continues to come back over and over again for me is this idea that the Instagram algorithm is changing, the Facebook algorithm is changing, the online community and how we put out content is changing and it's always evolving. And I was sharing that it feels like a little bit of a struggle because we're putting out all this content and it's not reaching as many people. And I, from my place of ego, right? From my own space. I'm like, I want to reach as many people as possible with wellness content and being able to reach as many people worldwide. And what was so amazing, what you said to me was, well, that's why I'm creating Zeal because the one thing that they can't take away from us, the one thing that the online communities don't have is this interaction. It's the ability to facilitate community within smaller spaces and within different cities across the world. And that's my mission here. And that's what I really want to do. And I found that so interesting because I was like, you're right. The one thing that we can always go back to is human connection.
1: Yeah. it's If you go back to ancient ages of studying tribes from anthropology, sociology, it was always human nature to commune. And Mm -hmm. I think something that I learned through food is we are living in a day and age where technology is advancing and there's all these disruptions in different industries. You look at Airbnb, Uber, whatever. But food has not evolved that much. We still have to cook the food. And when we cook the food, humans like to commune. Mm -hmm. We are human beings. We're social beings. We want to sit together and have a meal. And that connection will never be taken away from any artificial intelligence that doesn't have emotional intelligence. It doesn't teach you how to communicate, how to engage, how to hold space, how to support community. And if you look at the history, it's like, it's there. And mm-hmm. it's like, it doesn't matter how far technology goes. And if we're going to space, humans need connection from a child being birthed into the world. Being from the mother's wound and to have that physical connection and touch cannot be taken away. Yeah, in Japan, like if they're having like artificial like sex dolls or whatever, <laughs> that's not connection. Right. It's like silicone, like it's not real human connection. I think what the heart needs and what we all need as human beings mm-hmm. is love. Mm-hmm. Like you can't fabricate love. Mm-hmm. You can distract people and sell them a different idea of what love is or what you need to get love, but love and breaking it down to like Maslow's like human needs, hierarchy of needs is like feeling seen, feeling heard, feeling belonging. Those are like the necessities of like, that's what I'm building with zeal. And I believe that wellness should be democratized and for all. Mm-hmm not just for privileged people, because I think even living in a Mecca where we're in LA or New York, major cities, it's become, and we were having this conversation, Sarah, like it's become an industry. Yes, it's lucrative. It's thriving because everyone wants to get well. But let's like dive deeper. Like what does wellness mean? Mm -hmm. Because to be well, we don't really need a lot of things. And I think we're in a culture where we're sold all these things, but it's like, what do you actually like? We were just talking about earlier, like sit in a room, <laughs> like you know, self acceptance, like love. All of these things are actually free. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, we're overcomplicating it and thinking over branded, over marketing, yeah. oversold. Mm-hmm. And I get it; like people want to make money, and it's okay. You can make money doing something when it is out of service and integrity. By all means, do you like because you're making it more convenient for someone? Mm-hmm. Great. But I think it's like we don't want to lose out on the true connection, the essence and like what we really need. And I think something that I've always been passionate about is community building and also sharing. Mm -hmm.
0: If the listeners want to get involved in Zeal or follow along and... Can you just break it down for them in terms of what's potentially you can share, what's rolling out, what this is going to look like, and then how they can already get access? I'm so grateful to you that I got to share on the platform. The article has been really profound and just getting
1: the word out there about... You shared an article about the rise of dieting Mm -hmm. and
0: and how we still have a long way to go, and how we can impact the youth today to really shift these beliefs.
1: Yeah, so zeal is all about connecting with change makers within each community. So whether you have a cause or passion, something that you're deeply connected to, or you're an expert from a massage therapist, a nutritionist, to a coach like Sarah, or a chef, or whatever modality it is, it's really cause and mission-driven, bridging social activism, And bringing in brands, conscious brands that are doing good, like the Patagonias, the Teslas, the Just Waters, all the brands that are standing for something bigger than just product. Because at the end of the day, we're oversold. So now, Zeal's really focused on teaming up with brands that stand for something and tying them with change makers with different communities. So, we can start by contributing your voice on the Zeal platform. It's kind of like Huffington Post, where you can share an article and we'll help you. Because one thing that I've learned building a personal brand, Sarah, it's like for the longest time, I was like, oh yeah, like get on these shows and build your personal brand. And then I'm like, now what? It's so boring when you're up there by yourself. I'm Mm -hmm. like, you get on the shows, you do this, and then I feel more and more disconnected from people. I'm like, you do the shows. You write your book. I feel most alive when I'm connected to an audience, when I am serving the community, having face to face interaction, having direct feedback, because I'm like, why am I doing this if I'm not connecting with other people, if I'm not helping other people? So I fired this manager, but I had a manager who was like, I want you to stop doing your Whole Foods tour. I want you to stop doing your Williams Sonoma tour because those are not lucrative. Why are you focusing on those things? And I said, Because this is what I do, is because I want to make an impact. And I feel most connected when I do those, even if I'm not making the most money, I feel alive and I feel like I'm making a difference and you cannot take that away from me. And when I realized that our missions didn't align, I had to let them go. Mm -hmm. And that was like very scary, but I was like, this doesn't serve me anymore. Mm -hmm. Like your mind is somewhere else. I'm not there. I'm here to have impact I'm not here just for a quick fix and you want quick fix.
0: Yeah. And what I love about what you're doing, which I think is so important is when we started our personal brands, what's so beautiful is there's so many people doing what we're doing now. Mm -hmm. But when we started, it wasn't as challenging to build a personal brand because there were less people doing it. The challenge now is there's a lot of people around the world that want to build personal brands, but they need the network. They need the community. They need the confidence. They need people to really stand behind them and say, I believe in you. Like even if you're in Michigan in the smallest town yeah. ever, like if there's 200 people in that town or whatever, you know, I grew up in Michigan and there's yeah. like, there's like parts of Michigan where, you know, it's like farms and there's no one there. Yeah, I want to, as you get behind these people and say, you can do it. Like yeah. you can build the community there. You can start and drive to different parts of Michigan and just start and then make yeah. it bigger and bigger and bigger. And I think it's really important that, that we take on that responsibility as people who have built brands. And yeah. that's why I love Zio, is because yeah. you are taking on that responsibility yeah. to say, this isn't about just me. Yeah. This is about all of Us. the wellness influencers yeah. coming together, people who are creating positive change and vetting yeah. them to making sure what they're doing is in alignment with integrity Yeah, and saying, how can we all rise together?
1: Absolutely. I think it's so much more powerful and we're really building a strong community because I think we've gone gotten, in, it's becoming a game. Mm-hmm. As we know, social media right. is a game. Like, and it's like a popularity contest. And I'm like, I've for a while, like took some time off social media. I was like, what the, what, is, what, am I doing? Mm-hmm. You know, like take a moment back of like, my tagline for my emails are now create with intent. Right. Before you're creating or putting out into the world, because I would look back, like when I do my self-reflections throughout the year, like oh, I was doing all these stuff. No, I just need to focus on one or two. And someone told me like, the wisest person speaks the slowest and listens the most. Mm-hmm. You're not trying to overcompensate, like you're
0: not trying to like get content, yeah. you're like thousands, yeah. right, right, right? You're not trying to get
1: everyone's approval because right. you're grounded in what you're doing. Right. And when I watch the people that I look to as like, I love this person because they're essentialism, going back to like stoicism, finding that one or two things mm-hmm. and just focusing. Yes. It's about bridging and bring community leaders together, giving them platform and also getting the brands on board so we can activate in different cities. Like you said, Michigan, like we just featured this barber that goes to downtown L.A. to Skid Row with a couple of his buddies of his friends to give back to homelessness they realize that homeless people just want to be heard most of the time. They Mm -hmm. struggle with mental illness. You know, there's a lack of funds in mental hospitals now. So there's all, a lot of them are actually veterans as well. So it's very sad. But this barber was like, at a very high-end barber, like decided to bring a bunch of his friends together to go to LA to give them haircuts. And I feel like hairdressers are the best therapists Mm -hmm. or, you know, barbers. You literally have these conversations and they hold space because they see people from all walks of life. And I love and enjoy going to get my haircut. And we all know how we feel when we have a good haircut. We feel invincible. We feel seen. We feel like in the best version of ourselves. They literally go to downtown LA and donate haircuts to the homeless. And when I featured him, he sent me a text and like gives me the chills, it Was like I was at tears like reading the story mm-hmm. that you put together. And for the first time, he was like, I felt seen and heard. And mm-hmm. like that to me is like so powerful. These are the micro influencers and with smaller platforms, but they're doing something because it is like what they believe in. Selfless. You're yes. Really selfless. And that's what I mean. Like there are tons of heroes walking around the world that are not taking credit. Recently, I received the email. From I'm not gonna name like this organization who was like, Oh, now is the time to self-submit for top 50 wellness influencers for some summit. Mm-hmm. I was like disgusted. I like meditated and I was like, Okay, how do I respond? Like, and I just wrote back like this is the reason why we have the bombardment like of like all these influencers that are like self-proclaiming. It's like do the work because there are so much unheard heroes that are doing the work that are not doing it for the recognition. And to me, it's like finding those voices and giving them the light Mm -hmm. because it's like, yes, like you're doing the work. Like we meet someone like when I go to a market or if I go to like the gym, I give so much love to the people who are cleaning. And when you get to know these people, they're Mm -hmm. like Charles, I wake up at four And I take the bus to get here. I'm working three jobs. I have two kids. And I'm like, you are killing it. Mm -hmm. Like, you make me wake up with even more conviction because I was like, wow. And I grew up with a single mother. So it's like I watched her struggle. Like, we were never, like, poor, but we were never, like, she was hustling. Mm -hmm. But I saw by observation and how I witnessed my mom, her greatest Mm -hmm. strength was treating everyone the same and making people feel seen right from because she was a banker she would bring food to the security guards because she's like this is takes care protects of me it. Yeah, yeah protects me like like make sure you take care of the people mm-hmm. who are taking care of you and just watching that she was like charles it doesn't matter who people are treat everyone the same and this is how i navigate my life It's like i meet a lot of people on TV, you meet people who you just don't want to be around. I'm like, oh, the intention is not pure. And this is the thing. I fell into my career and what I'm doing now on accident mm-hmm. through my own personal transformation, my rock bottom. So it's not doing it for all that stuff. If it doesn't bring value, I don't want to fuck with it. You mm-hmm. know, like, and my manager gets pissed off sometimes because like, you can be on QVC and you can do this. And I'm like, I feel phony. This is not what I signed up for. You know, I'm sorry. I don't want to do it. Like, and you have to stand for those. And I think one of my favorite journalists, Lisa Ling, she's on CNN now. She's an Asian American journalist. I watched her say so many no's and say the right yeses. And I realized it's not saying yes to everything, but to the right things that are aligned with your truth.
0: Yeah, I just wrote a post on how I personally don't love the term self-made. Because I think it triggers this, first, it's coming from a very place of ego, and I understand and honor and respect anyone who has built their businesses without investments, who have worked really hard to build their business, but your parents gave you life, your ancestors gave you the opportunity that you have right now. We need to honor the people, like you said, the person who does your graphic design, who's sitting in India We need to honor the people who's helped you build your platforms and the technology to basically give you the opportunity to make the money online. We need to honor your cleaner who gives you the opportunity at night to send those extra emails. We need to honor all of the people who get us to where we are. Yeah. And so I think often there's this idea of like people be like, "Oh, are you (laughs) self-made?" And I'm like, "No, I'm not." Yeah. Thousands of people have helped me. Yeah. Thousands. And
1: also the privilege that we all have, like. After the pasna meditation at 19, at the age of 21, while in American culture, you turn 21, that means you can start drinking, but most of us have been drinking before that. (laughs) (laughs) I probably drank too much before then. And then by the time time I turned 21, I was like, I'm sober, (laughs) right? But I remember at the time, my friends were like, let's go to Vegas. And then I had another friend from Asia who was like a documentary photographer, and she was going to document a Dalai Lama. Mm-hmm. for National Geographic. So she was like, Vegas or come to India? I felt called to go to India. I think that time I just finished reading The Alchemist by oh Paula Coelho. ever. Ah, so good. I have to reread it again. But I felt called to go. So when I traveled there, I was in a stage of my life, and I'm going to be completely honest, I was very bratty and privileged. I went to community college to do my two years for my AAs, and I was transferring, and I applied for NYU, got into film school. I've always been into media, always wanted to be in filmmaking. And I got into Tisch, and I was like, yes, I'm moving to New York. I am. This is my life, you know? <laughs> and I remember calling my dad, and my dad's like, oh, we're not paying for this. And I was like, so stubborn. Like, <laughs> Like, the ego is like, I worked so hard to, like, get my A's, and I got into this school, and I can't go. I literally took time off school, and I was like, I'm going to India. So I go to India, actually became the most profound experience for me. Backpacked to India, met my friend, took a bus from Delhi to Dharamsala, which is where the Dalai Lama resides. The janky-ass, like, ride up, like, I felt like I was going to get killed, and it was, like, straight out of a movie. and. I remember when I got up there, like I didn't know where I was staying, literally found an apartment, found this girl that was from Estonia. At the time, I was like, I don't even know where that is on the map. But we became allies and we're like, all right, let's figure this out. We got a hotel. But I remember just like spending a month in India and observing the people there Mm -hmm. and how heart-centered they all were, but how poor they were. But at the same time, the happiest people I've ever seen. Blowing bubbles, kids throwing rocks, just laughing. And I was like, What's the disconnect here? I'm here privileged, feel like I'm deserving of something. And I'm like, I have so much to give. Mm -hmm. I was like, I cannot be in this headspace of like a victim mentality. Like, poor me. I'm like, no, like this is, I definitely shifted my perspective then. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go back there and become the most resourceful person I can with all the things that I have because I have so much Mm -hmm. and I have so many people that I can ask for help. And I think when we bring that into awareness of like, wow, like, yeah, you might not have the most ideal circumstance now, but you have so much. And that's like a thermometer that I can like now reference. Mm -hmm. Anytime I get into another, I'm like, dude, get over yourself. Like, you know, like.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And what's so beautiful is that we think we need all the resource, but all we need is the internal experience of belief and the faith and the trust in the universe consciousness energy whatever you relate to that through your internal experience that will show up for you and the things you need will show up for you so you could have literally no resource I remember packing my bags and driving literally filling my car up driving all the way to Miami
1: paint a picture for us
0: driving A Lincoln Mercury okay. hybrid. It was like the first hybrid, and I ego. I felt so cool because I was. No, able, that's a cool car. <laughs> it was one of the first hybrids, and I was so committed to saving the planet that I felt <laughs> so cool that I had. this. Where were uh, you? I was coming from Michigan, and I was driving south, and hybrid
1: I, in Michigan. You were so ahead <laughs> of your time.
0: <laughs> and I filled up my car, and it's all I had. It was everything I owned, and I drove south to Miami, and I said, I have nothing. Like barely any money,
1: the well, only you, money I had. You were I modeling had. at the time?
0: So at that time, I had been not modeling on and off, but I had decided to go to Miami to make this attempt to model there. Okay. And I packed up everything and I had no money, no resource, no place to live. And I just said, universe, you're going to provide everything I need. It's going to be there.
1: But that's the surrender though. The see, surrender. like, And I think we see this a lot with when you're stepping into a next chapter of your life get used to discomfort, but also have the conviction, the faith and Mm -hmm. the trust that you will be taken care of. And anytime we're pivoting, I'm like, oh, like, this is so uncomfortable. I feel like I'm gonna die or like speaking on stage. Like a question I get asked a lot is like, don't you get nervous when you're on stage or when you're doing a speech or talk? I'm like, And I said this to a friend. I said, you're only nervous if you're coming from your egoic self because you're thinking about what other people will think of you. When you're tapping to a higher power that is greater than yourself, you literally surrender. Use me. I'm just a fucking vessel. Mm -hmm. And that's when you're just like in flow. And we've all felt those moments. We're like, oh my God, I didn't even know what I was doing. But you felt so aligned Mm -hmm. and literally you will be used. Right. It's like one of those moments
0: where I'm like, well. The worst case scenario, and I think this is something you to remember, sleep you in can
1: your car. <laughs> sleep
0: around or turn around and drive back north. You know, I think when you realize that you can always go back. But beautiful thing is when you step into the discomfort, you're never actually going back because consciousness, once it's expanded, it can never contract. Mm-hmm. Even though you might feel that it's contracting, your awareness is now expanded. And so there's no return.
1: Yeah, it's beautiful.
0: But it's pretty fun. I felt the same way when I moved to LA. I knew no one here. I
1: was like,
0: I'm gonna like pack my bags for this guy. This is ridiculous. What am I doing? I I can't believe I'm doing this. And now it was. (laughs) Thank you, Craig. It
1: was (laughs) the greatest
0: decision I've ever made. It was just worst case. I'll go back to New York. Like that's the absolute worst case. But I'm gonna allow the universe to show up in ways that's needed right now, and trust that I met this person for a reason to bring me to LA for my greater purpose. And I love it. In the trust is what really. Presents itself to you. The last thing I wanted to ask you about was this philosophy you've been talking a lot about, which is the power of eight. Yes. And so I'd love for you to dive into that just a little bit so we can close with that because I feel like it's been the theme of this whole beautiful conversation.
1: So going back to what you were saying earlier sustain, transformation, trust that's literally my life philosophy. I've always been drawn to the number eight just because it also is the infinity sign. When I got my apartment before I moved to New York, it wasn't even kind of like going back to like having the trust and faith. I was living down the street from a friend and we were going to dinner. We literally packed her bags because she was moving back to Kansas and I agreed with her to road trip back to Kansas in her little Mm U-Haul and she was like, you're such a good friend because... A lot of people made promises and they're not here in the car. Right now. <laughs> and I was like, whatever. So she sold her car in LA. So we had the U-Haul. So we were walking to dinner. She was like, let's go grab a salad. I was like, okay. While we were walking to dinner, she said, I really want to show you this view because I was walking to work today and I saw this beautiful view. And I was like, I want to see it right now. So she brought me to this apartment, and it was like the most magical view of LA, and. There was a pond and it led me to this apartment. It literally brought me to this apartment. And I was like, wow, this is like so sacred, so beautiful. I didn't think about, I was traveling to Paris after that and then New York. And I was like, I'm going to find a place in New York. And there happened to be a man outside. I was like, hey, do you live here? Do you know? And he's like, I'm actually the landlord. Like, I mm-hmm. own the building. And that's how I signed that apartment. But that apartment had the number eight and this idea of trust. The infinity sign represents infinite potential, infinite possibility. The idea of that life is an ever-changing note, like we're constantly changing. Transformation is constantly ever-growing. You're never going to get to an end destination. Mm -mm. Literally, it's just another chapter and another evolution of growth, like you were saying. So the philosophy of eight is really understanding that and i'm breaking it down in my new book that i'm writing Mm -hmm. that sarah's been such a great support (laughs) (laughs) she's been doing it and i have so much respect for anyone who's written a book because you know it's like a freaking baby like you're getting i'm like telling my agents i'm like i'm nesting and i'm about i'm about to give birth it's coming (laughs) but tuning in you know so but that's the new book that I'm going to be writing about. Because for so long, I was pigeonholed into just doing food and it never felt right. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad I never rushed it because I got a deal to do a recipe book. And I declined it because I said, no, it doesn't align because I want to focus on transformation. That's the nitty-gritty that I really want to talk about. Because mm-hmm. it's not just food, as we all know. Food is like the modality, the, like it's the beginning gateway right to all the shit that we need to talk about which mm-hmm. is like all the inner stuff
0: yeah it's the mind the body the spirit the emotional body the mental body yeah it's looking at everything holistically and saying without being an overwhelm how do i trust that i will heal in all areas so that i create and continue to create these new versions of myself that really show up yeah to my highest awakening
1: potential i think that's the thing that connects all of us. We all want to live our greatest version of ourselves. We want to be here for something bigger than ourselves. And I think our job and what we're doing here is just to guide all of us together on that path. Mm
0: -hmm. I love that. I'm so excited for your book. I'm going to cheer you along as you Yes. Go.
1: <laughs> Please like hold me accountable because you'll be like, Charles, can I read? I'm like, yes, I'll send it to you. <laughs> I mean, I don't, yeah.
0: It's going to be amazing. I'm really, really excited for that. And I am in, in full agreement. I think that there's this disappointment that people get when they realize that they're not done. And if we can accept and surrender where we are and still have that motivation and intrinsic drive to grow we can have both. We can accept and surrender and love ourselves as we are. And we continue to evolve and grow every single day and open to the possibility that in every moment we could be a different version of who we are. So I love that. I'm so excited. And I think it's perfect timing for where we are on the planet as well. I think people are witnessing that food is medicine, but I think they're also witnessing that there's a deeper level of healing that needs to take place for actual sustainable change like you did. Where can people find you and connect with you? You have so many amazing things online. and
1: Well, Sarah's going to be doing a podcast on my channel. So make <laughs> sure you, a you guys- podcast? Yes. Yeah. I have a new podcast and it's all around the infinity sign eight. So we'll be talking about transformation and Sarah's personal story on my podcast, but you could find me at charleschen.tv and if you want to contribute and share your voice, Zeal with two Zs, Z-Z-E-A-L dot C-O.
0: Awesome. Thank you for being here. I'm so thankful for you.
1: Thank you. That was so much fun. so fun. I we were literally it. in flow. We've been in
0: beautiful <laughs> energy this morning. Thank you for Thanks listening, guys, everyone. Thanks, for tuning in. Excited to have you continue to connect with Charles and gain all his resources online that will literally transform relationship with your mind, body, and spirit. I love that conversation with Charles. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope that this podcast inspired something inside of you. And my real hope is that you act on this inspiration. Take whatever resonated most with you today and ground it into something practical. And if you're up for the challenge, I invite you to borrow part of Charles' morning practice. This week, when you wake up, tune into your body first and go inward. Your most resourceful self, your truth, the power to meet your goals and strengthen and sustain them. It's all within you. And then take some time to write down your daily non-negotiables. It could be that your body needs 10 minutes to move out of anxiety or fatigue. It could be a 30-minute meditation or yoga practice that sets you up for something in your day or your week that you know is going to be a stretch or challenge you. It could be that you need to adopt a new habit this week, like leaving work a bit earlier so that you could cook at home. Whatever you choose, trust that your non-negotiables will have a huge impact on your health and your happiness this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. It is always an honor to be here with you. And until next week, I'm sending you so much love. All right, that concludes this cast. It is my honor to always be here with you. But hang tight because I have one last thought. You're here right now because you are ready. Because while many of us share the feelings of wanting more, not everyone is willing to do what it takes to get it. But you are here. You are ready. So this is your opportunity now to take what you just learned and implement it today. Make a pact with yourself to put just one thing into action. Just one. Write it down, do it, and share it with me. We are all in this together. Thank you for being here. You too can feel awesome from the inside out.